This is day 166 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing Ezekiel chapters 23 through 27. Lord, Heavenly Father, help us to see clearly today. Help us to not be distracted. Help us to be aware of the world around us. The world around us is so dark. We have compromised with it so much. We have allowed certain things into our lives that are unholy and sinful and dark. And they pass themselves off as being entertainment or as humorous. And yet, Lord, they drive us away from you. These things in the, on TV, these things on the internet, the idleness of our habits, all these different things that cause us to stumble and that cause us to sin. Lord, help us to be purified by your power, by your light and your holiness. Please help us to identify these areas in our lives where we continue to struggle with sin and try to compromise with it, consciously or unconsciously. Lord, help us to be pure and undefiled in your sight, just like you wanted Israel to be in the days of Ezekiel. Please bless the reading of this word in Jesus' name. Amen. The word of the Lord came to me again, saying, Son of man, there were two women, the daughters of one mother, and they played the harlot in Egypt. They played the harlot in their youth. There their breasts were pressed, and there their virgin bosom was handled. Their names were Ohola the elder and Oholibah her sister. And they became mine, and they bore sons and daughters. But as for their names, Samaria is Ohola, and Jerusalem is Oholibah. Ohola played the harlot while she was mine, and she lusted after her lovers, after the Assyrians, her neighbors, who were clothed in purple, governors and officials, all of them desirable young men, horsemen riding on horses. She bestowed her harlotries on them, all of whom were the choicest men of Assyria. And with all whom she lusted after, with all their idols, she defiled herself. She did not forsake her harlotries from the time in Egypt. For in her youth men had lain with her, and they handled her virgin bosom and poured out their lust on her. Therefore I gave her into the hand of her lovers, into the hand of the Assyrians, after whom she lusted. They uncovered her nakedness, they took her sons and her daughters, but they slew her with the sword. Thus she became a byword among women, and they executed judgments on her. Now her sister, Oholibah, saw this, yet she was more corrupt in her lust than she, and her harlotries were more than the harlotries of her sister. She lusted after the Assyrians, governors, and officials, the ones near, magnificently dressed, horsemen riding on horses, all of them desirable young men. I saw that she had defiled herself. They both took the same way. So she increased her harlotries, and she saw men portrayed on the wall, images of the Chaldeans portrayed with vermilion, girded with belts on their loins, with flowing turbans on their head, all of them looking like officers, 
like the Babylonians in Chaldea, the land of their birth. When she saw them, she lusted after them and sent messengers to them in Chaldea. The Babylonians came to her to the bed of love and defiled her with her harlotry. And when she had been defiled by them, she became disgusted with them. She uncovered her harlotries and uncovered her nakedness. Then I became disgusted with her, as I had become disgusted with her sister. Yet she multiplied her harlotries, remembering the days of her youth when she played the harlot in the land of Egypt. She lusted after their paramours, whose flesh is like the flesh of donkeys, and whose issue is like the issue of horses. Thus you longed for the lewdness of your youth, when the Egyptians handled your bosom because of the breasts of your youth. Therefore, O Aholibah, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will arouse your lovers against you, from whom you were alienated, and I will bring them against you from every side, the Babylonians and all the Chaldeans, Pekad and Shoah and Koah, and all the Assyrians with them, desirable young men, governors and officials, all of them, officers and men of renown, all of them riding on horses. They will come against you with weapons, chariots, and wagons, and with a company of peoples. They will set themselves against you on every side with buckler and shield and helmet, and I will commit the judgment to them, and they will judge you according to their customs. I will set my jealousy against you, that they may deal with you in wrath. They will remove your nose and your ears, and your survivors will fall by the sword. They will take your sons and your daughters, and your survivors will be consumed by the fire. They will also strip you of your clothes and take away your beautiful jewels. Thus I will make your lewdness and your harlotry brought from the land of Egypt to cease from you, so that you will not lift up your eyes to them or remember Egypt any more. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will give you into the hand of those whom you hate, into the hand of those from whom you were alienated. They will deal with you in hatred, take all your property, and leave you naked and bare. And the nakedness of your harlotries will be uncovered, both your lewdness and your harlotries. These things will be done to you because you have played the harlot with the nations, because you have defiled yourselves with your idols. You have walked in the way of your sister. Therefore, I will give her cup into your hand. Thus says the Lord God, You will drink your sister's cup, which is deep and wide. You will be laughed at and held in derision. It contains much. You will be filled with drunkenness and sorrow, the cup of horror and desolation, the cup of your sister Samaria. You will drink it and drain it. Then you will gnaw its fragments and tear your breasts. For I have spoken, declares the Lord God. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Because you have forgotten me 
and cast me behind your back? Bear now the punishment of your lewdness and your harlotries. Moreover, the Lord said to me, Son of man, will you judge Ohola and Oholibah? Then declare to them their abominations, for they have committed adultery, and blood is on their hands. Thus they have committed adultery with their idols, and even caused their sons, whom they bore to me, to pass through the fire to them as food. Again, they have done this to me. They have defiled my sanctuary on the same day, and have profaned my Sabbaths. For when they had slaughtered their children for their idols, they entered my sanctuary on the same day to profane it. And lo, thus they did within my house. Furthermore, they even have set for men who come from afar, to whom a messenger was sent. And lo, they came, for whom you bathed, painted your eyes, and decorated yourselves with ornaments. And you sat on a splendid couch, with a table arranged before it, on which you had set my incense and my oil. The sound of a carefree multitude was with her, and drunkards were brought from the wilderness with men of the common sort. And they put bracelets on the hands of the women, and beautiful crowns on their heads. Then I said concerning her, who was worn out by adulteries, Will they now commit adultery with her when she is thus? But they went into her as they would go into a harlot. Thus they went into Ohola and to Oholiba, the lewd women. But they, righteous men, will judge them with the judgment of adulteresses and with the judgment of women who shed blood, because they are adulteresses and blood is on their hands. For thus says the Lord God, Bring up a company against them, and give them over to terror and plunder. The company will stone them with stones, and cut them down with their swords. They will slay their sons and their daughters, and burn their houses with fire. Thus I will make lewdness cease from the land, that all women may be admonished and not commit lewdness as you have done. Your lewdness will be required upon you, and you will bear the penalty of worshiping your idols. Thus you will know that I am the Lord. And the word of the Lord came to me in the ninth year, in the tenth month, on the tenth of the month, saying, Son of man, write the name of the day, this very day. The king of Babylon has laid siege to Jerusalem this very day. Speak a parable to the rebellious house, and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Put on the pot, put it on, and also pour water in it. Put in it the pieces, every good piece, the thigh and the shoulder. Fill it with choice bones. Take the choicest of the flock, and also pile wood under the pot. Make it boil vigorously. Also seethe its bones in it. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Woe to the bloody city, to the pot in which there is rust, and whose rust has not gone out of it. 
take out of it a piece after piece, without making a choice. For her blood is in her midst. She placed it on the bare rock. She did not pour it on the ground to cover it with dust. That it may cause wrath to come up to take vengeance. I have put her blood on the bare rock, that it may not be covered. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Woe to the bloody city! I also will make the pile great. Heap on the wood, kindle the fire, boil the flesh well, and mix in the spices, and let the bones be burned. Then set it empty on its coals, so that it may be hot, and its bronze may glow, and its filthiness may be melted in it, its rust consumed. She has wearied me with toil, yet her great rust has not gone from her. Let her rust be in the fire. In your filthiness is lewdness, because I would have cleansed you, yet you are not clean. You will not be cleansed from your filthiness again until I have spent my wrath on you. I, the Lord, have spoken. It is coming, and I will act. I will not relent, and I will not pity, and I will not be sorry. According to your ways and according to your deeds, I will judge you, declares the Lord God. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, behold, I am about to take from you the desire of your eyes with a blow. But you shall not mourn, and you shall not weep, and your tears shall not come. Groan silently, make no mourning for the dead. Bind on your turban, and put your shoes on your feet, and do not cover your mustache, and do not eat the bread of men. So I spoke to the people in the morning, and in the evening my wife died. And in the morning I did as I was commanded. The people said to me, Will you not tell us what these things that you are doing mean for us? Then I said to them, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Speak to the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am about to profane my sanctuary, the pride of your power, the desire of your eyes, and the delight of your soul. And your sons and your daughters, whom you have left behind, will fall by the sword. You will do as I have done. You will not cover your mustache, and you will not eat the bread of men. Your turbans will be on your head, and your shoes on your feet. You will not mourn, and you will not weep. But you will rot away in your iniquities, and you will groan to one another. Thus Ezekiel will be a sign to you. According to all that he has done, you will do. When it comes, then you will know that I am the Lord God. As for you, son of man, will it not be on the day when I take from them their stronghold, the joy of their pride, the desire of their eyes, and their heart's delight, their sons and their daughters, that on that day he who escapes will come to you with information for your ears? On that day your mouth will be opened to him who escaped, 
and you will speak and be mute no longer. Thus you will be assigned to them, and they will know that I am the Lord. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face toward the sons of Ammon, and prophesy against them, and say to the sons of Ammon, Hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God, Because you said, Aha, against my sanctuary, when it was profaned, and against the land of Israel, when it was made desolate, and against the house of Judah, when they went into exile. Therefore, behold, I am going to give you to the sons of the east for a possession, and they will set their encampments among you, and make their dwellings among you. They will eat your fruit and drink your milk. I will make Rabbah a pasture for camels, and the sons of Ammon a resting place for flocks. Thus you will know that I am the Lord. For thus says the Lord God, Because you have clapped your hands and stamped your feet and rejoiced with all the scorn of your soul against the land of Israel, therefore, behold, I have stretched out my hand against you, and I will give you for spoil to the nations, and I will cut you off from the peoples and make you perish from the lands. I will destroy you. Thus you will know that I am the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Because Moab and Seir say, Behold, the house of Judah is like all the nations. Therefore, behold, I am going to deprive the flank of Moab of its cities, of its cities which are on its frontiers, the glory of the land, Beth Jeshemoth, Baal Meon, and Kiriathayim. And I will give it for a possession, along with the sons of Ammon, to the sons of the east, so that the sons of Ammon will not be remembered among the nations. Thus I will execute judgments on Moab, and they will know that I am the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Because Edom has acted against the house of Judah by taking vengeance, and has incurred grievous guilt, and avenged themselves upon them, therefore thus says the Lord God, I will also stretch out my hand against Edom, and cut off man and beast from it, and I will lay it waste. From Taman even to Dedan, they will fall by the sword. I will lay my vengeance on Edom by the hand of my people Israel. Therefore, they will act in Edom according to my anger and according to my wrath. Thus they will know my vengeance, declares the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God, Because the Philistines have acted in revenge and have taken vengeance with scorn of soul to destroy with everlasting enmity, therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will stretch out my hand against the Philistines, even cut off the Cherethites, and destroy the remnant of the seacoast. I will execute great vengeance on them with wrathful rebukes, and they will know that I am the Lord when I lay my vengeance on them. Now in the eleventh year, on the first of the month, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, because Tyre has said concerning Jerusalem, Aha, 
The gateway of the peoples is broken. It has opened to me. I shall be filled now that she is laid waste. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Tyre, and I will bring up many nations against you, as the sea brings up its waves. They will destroy the walls of Tyre and break down her towers, and I will scrape her debris from her and make her a bare rock. She will be a place for the spreading of nets in the midst of the sea. For I have spoken, declares the Lord God, and she will become spoil for the nations. Also, her daughters who are on the mainland will be slain by the sword, and they will know that I am the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will bring upon Tyre from the north Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, king of kings, with horses, chariots, cavalry, and a great army. He will slay your daughters on the mainland with the sword, and he will make siege walls against you, cast up a ramp against you, and raise up a large shield against you. The blow of his battering rams he will direct against your walls, and with his axes he will break down your towers. Because of the multitude of his horses, the dust raised by them will cover you. Your walls will shake at the noise of cavalry and wagons and chariots when he enters your gates, as men enter a city that is breached. With the hooves of his horses he will trample all your streets. He will slay your people with the sword, and your strong pillars will come down to the ground. Also, they will make a spoil of your riches and a prey of your merchandise. Break down your walls and destroy your pleasant houses and throw your stones and your timbers and your debris into the water. So I will silence the sound of your songs and the sound of your harps will be heard no more. I will make you a bare rock. You will be a place for the spreading of nets. You will be built no more, for I, the Lord, have spoken, declares the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to Tyre, Shall not the coastlands shake at the sound of your fall, when the wounded groan, when the slaughter occurs in your midst? Then all the princes of the sea will go down from their thrones, remove their robes, and strip off their embroidered garments. They will clothe themselves with trembling. They will sit on the ground, tremble every moment, and be appalled at you. They will take up a lamentation over you and say to you, How you have perished, O inhabited one, from the seas, O renounced city, which was mighty on the sea, she and her inhabitants, who imposed her terror on all her inhabitants. Now the coastlands will tremble on the day of your fall. Yes, the coastlands which are by the sea will be terrified at your passing. For thus says the Lord God, When I make you a desolate city, like the cities which are not inhabited, then I will bring up the deep over you, and the great waters cover you. Then I will bring you down with those who go down to the pits, to the people of old and I will make you dwell in the lower parts of the earth, like the ancient waste places, with those who go down to the pit. 
so that you will not be inhabited. But I will set glory in the land of the living. I will bring terrors on you, and you will be no more. Though you will be sought, you will never be found again, declares the Lord God. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, And you, son of man, take up a lamentation over Tyre, and say to Tyre, who dwells at the entrance of the sea, merchants of the peoples to many coastlands. Thus says the Lord God, O Tyre, you have said, I am perfect in beauty. Your borders are in the heart of the seas. Your builders have perfected your beauty. They have made all your planks of fir trees from Sinir. They have taken a cedar from Lebanon to make a mast for you. Of oaks from Bashan they have made your oars. With ivory they have inlaid your deck of boxwood from the coastlands of Cyprus. Your sail was a fine embroidered linen from Egypt, so that it became your distinguishing mark. Your awning was blue and purple from the coastlands of Elisha. The inhabitants of Sidon and Arvad were your rowers. Your wise men, O Tyre, were aboard. They were your pilots. The elders of Gabal and her wise men were with you, repairing your seams. All the ships of the sea and their sailors were with you in order to deal in your merchandise. Persia and Lud and Put were in your army, your men of war. They hung shield and helmet in you. They set forth your splendor. The sons of Arvad and your army were on your walls, all around, and the Gamadim were in your towers. They hung their shields on your walls all around. They perfected your beauty. Tarshish was your customer because of the abundance of all kinds of wealth. With silver, iron, tin, and lead, they paid for your wares. Javan, Tubal, and Meshech, they were your traders. With the lives of men and vessels of bronze, they paid for your merchandise. Those from Beth Togermah gave horses and war horses and mules for your wares. The sons of Dedan were your traders. Many coastlands were your market. Ivory tusks and ebony they bought as their payment. Aram was your customer because of the abundance of your goods. They paid for your wares with emeralds, purple, embroidered work, fine linen, coral, and rubies. Judah and the land of Israel, they were your traders, with the wheat of Mineth, cakes, honey, oil, and balm they paid for your merchandise. Damascus was your customer because the abundance of your goods, because of the abundance of all kinds of wealth, because of the wine of Helbon and white wool. Vedan and Javan paid for your wares from Uzal, wrought iron, cassia, and sweet cane were among your merchandise. Dedan traded with you in saddlecloths for writing. Arabia and all the princes of Kedar, they were your customers for lambs, rams, and goats. For these, they were your customers. The traders of Sheba and Reama, they traded with you. They paid for your wares with the best of all kinds of spices, 
and with all kinds of precious stones and gold. Haran, Cana, Eden, the traders of Sheba, Ashur, and Chilmad traded with you. They traded with you in choice garments, in clothes of blue and embroidered work, and in carpets of many colors and tightly wound cords, which were among your merchandise. The ships of Tarshish were the carriers for your merchandise. And you were filled and were very glorious in the heart of the seas. Your rowers have brought you into great waters. The east wind has broken you into the heart of the seas. Your wealth, your wares, your merchandise, your sailors and your pilots, your repairs of seams, your dealers and merchandise, and all your men of war who are in you, with all your company that is in your midst, will fall into the heart of the seas on the day of your overthrow. At the sound of the cry of your pilots, the pasture lands will shake. All who handle the oar, the sailors, and all the pilots of the sea will come down from their ships. They will stand on the land, and they will make their voice heard over you and will cry bitterly. They will cast dust on their heads. They will wallow in ashes. Also, they will make themselves bald for you and gird themselves with sackcloth, and they will weep for you in bitterness of soul with bitter mourning. Moreover, in their wailing, they will take up a lamentation for you and lament over you who is like Tyre, like her who is silent in the midst of the sea? When your wares went out from the seas, you satisfied many peoples. With the abundance of your wealth and your merchandise, you enriched the kings of earth. Now that you are broken by the seas in the depths of the waters, your merchandise and all your company have fallen in the midst of you. All the inhabitants of the coastlands are appalled at you and their kings are horribly afraid. They are troubled in countenance. The merchants among the peoples hiss at you. You have become terrified, and you will cease to be forever. All right, let's explore what is going on here today. So in chapter 23, we see yet another parable in the time of Ezekiel. So if you thought Jesus was the only one that did parables, I hope you're seeing that's not correct. So it, this is the parable of the two sisters. And there's two that are mentioned here by name, Ohola and Oholiba. Now, as God says a verse later, that these are not normal people. These are names that he's given to two particular groups. One being Samaria, which is the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel and Jerusalem, which is the capital of the southern kingdom of Judah. So really here he's talking about Israel and Judah being two sisters that were originally one person that was the nation Israel under King David and King Solomon until they split. So I wasn't sure at first what these names mean. So I looked it up, and in Hebrew... Ohola means she who has a tent. And Oholiba means a tent is in her. So this reference to tents, I can only see two things at the moment. 
where they may symbolize God's dwelling with his people, because that's how it was with the original tabernacle. It was a tent that God would enter into the tent and reside there when he would do so. Or this may be in view of the tents associated with false worship. I'm not quite sure. But, or maybe both, really, because if one is a tent is in her, which is showing that that is where all the idolatry is going on in the northern kingdom of Israel, and the other one is she who has a tent, then it's almost as if one tent is filled and one is not. And we would think then, okay, that means that Israel is the wrong one, is the worst one, and Judah is not as bad because God resides in Jerusalem. But as God explains throughout this parable, Judah is worse than Israel is. Now, that's kind of hard to imagine, but they had some good kings in there at, from time to time, but I guess their idolatry was far greater than those. They, it's almost as if the northern kingdom of Israel lived in ignorance versus the southern kingdom knew exactly what they were doing and purposely did not obey God. I don't think that's the case for either one because prophets were in the northern kingdom of Israel, but I'm, I'm just trying to rationalize here why Judah would be worse than Israel because I always thought it was the other way around. But God is saying that's not the case, so he's correct. I just need to understand why he's correct. So what is he going to do with these two daughters of his? So for one, he he gives them away to their lovers. And the language here is very descriptive. I'm not going to go through it again, especially if it's a younger audience. But they are judged, and they're, they're causing all of their ways to be desolate. So their lovers, which are these other nations that they love so much, are going to take advantage of them. They're going to pillage them. They're going to take all their possessions. And they're going to utterly cause them to be desolate. None of this is any surprise to us because we've already seen the aftermath of this. And But, but God makes it very clear, especially in verse 32, that you will drink your sister's cup, and he's referring to Judah. Judah, you will drink the same cup as your sister, which is deep and wide, and you will be laughed at and held in derision. It contains much. You got something coming very quickly, and it's going to be just as bad, if not worse, than your sister Samaria, which at this point, as we know, has already been taken captive by Assyria. So you know what happened with her? You're next. Because you have committed so much adultery and idolatry among you. You have defiled my name in your midst, and I'm not okay with it. Chapter 24 is another parable, which is the parable of the boiling pot. So Ezekiel was asked to act this out. So at this time, as we saw at the beginning of Ezekiel, he's already in Babylon. And so what he's doing is he is acting this out in Babylon on the very same day that Jerusalem is put under siege, which in the history books is January 15th, 588 BC. So that's a very specific date. And what he's doing is he's illustrating the destruction of this city. 
Jerusalem's sin was out in the open, and so was its judgment. So the boiling pot is symbolic to all the turmoil that's going to go on within the city. So the pot itself is Jerusalem, and then it's going to be under fire, quite literally, by Babylon. And that's going to illustrate the siege. And then everybody inside is going to be boiling. They're going to be under pressure. They're going to be dying. They're going to be taken captive. It's going to be terrible because God's judgment has fallen upon Jerusalem. And Ezekiel is acting this out far away from the battle line here. And then something really sad happens. As a sign of what's going to happen to Jerusalem, God takes the life of Ezekiel's wife. Ezekiel was given a command by God that he was not allowed to perform the normal signs of mourning. He was forbidden to do so. And so, because in the same way, Jerusalem is going to be ransacked and it's going to be pillaged and utterly wiped out. And the nation is not going to mourn for it either. The people would need to mourn, but they have to do it silently, as Ezekiel was commanded. So that's really sad that it went personally to Ezekiel, especially if you take it as in, well, he's been obeying God this whole time. Why is he punishing him? God is good. He knows exactly what he's doing. We don't understand the circumstances all the time. Ezekiel's wife was the desire of his eyes, and she was taken from him. But in the same way, the exiles are going to lose the desire of their eyes, which is Jerusalem. And God is merciful and righteous. He knows exactly what he's doing, and it was her time. That's hard for me to say because I'm married. I love my wife so much, and if she were taken from me, as a sign for God's ministry. I don't know how I would react. And my hope is that I would react like Ezekiel did. Because it says here in verse 18, I spoke to the people in the morning, and in the evening my wife died. And in the morning I did as I was commanded. What a man. What a godly man. His wife died in the evening. That very next morning he got up and did what God commanded him to do. Bless this man. That was hard. And yet he understood that all of it is for the glory of God and that God will bless him in obedience. We don't understand all of why God does what he does, but it's all good and it's all righteous. We have to understand that because we so easily want to say, God, you're being mean. He's obeying you. He's prophesying in your name, and you're doing this to him, you can't be doing that with God. You have no right to be angry with him, because you don't understand. You are so short-sighted. You don't know what God's doing. And besides, he is sovereign over all his creation. He can do with it as he pleases. But he doesn't do it because he delights in your suffering. He doesn't do it because he delights in seeing you depressed or struck down. He has a purpose, and we have to trust him in it. Chapters 25 through 27 are judgments against various nations, and this isn't the first time we've seen judgments against these nations. We saw them with 
Isaiah especially. And so we're going to, we'll look over it briefly, but there's not too much to talk about here. So the first nation that is being judged is Ammon, the Ammonites. And they took advantage of Babylon's victory over Judah, and they decided to join in the pillage and take whatever they could out of there. And so God is going to judge them for that. And they are going to get cut off and no longer become a people, which that's why there's no Ammonites today. Moab is also going to be judged for what they've done. So they denied that Judah had any special relation with the true God, according to this. Because they said in verse 8, Behold, the house of Judah is like all the nations. Whoa, God put his name there. They are not a normal nation, because God is on their side. So don't you dare say that. So for his name's sake, he is going to exact judgment on Moab. And then God is going to invoke judgment on Edom. For generations, ever since the Exodus, pretty much, Edom has always been at odds with Israel, going back and forth for centuries. And so God has had enough of them, and he is going to exact his judgment on them. This judgment is short, but there are other prophets who have described the judgments against these nations as well in much more detail. Then he also, beginning of verse 15, is exacting judgment upon the Philistines, which we know their background. They are also at war with Judah all the time. So this is a fitting end to the Philistines. Chapters 26 and 27 are the description of great detail, probably the greatest of details, for the destruction of the kingdom of Tyre. So Tyre was what in the ancient days was part of what was called Phoenicia. And this was in the Mediterranean Sea, and they were very prosperous because they were a hub of seafaring trade. And so at this point, God is going to exact judgment upon them. They have played a big part in Israel's history in the past. For example, they were the ones through King Hiram, if we recall him, he was the one who helped King David in getting the supplies and the materials and the workers in order to build Solomon's temple, to design all of it, get all the materials. And then when Solomon took the throne, his people helped build that temple. So they have a history, as, as well as being a, an ally for trade. But yet, they have been judged by God because of their arrogance and through their idolatry. The first nation that is going to be against Tyre is going to be Nebuchadnezzar. No surprise. He's on a rampage around this area. And he is going to utterly destroy Tyre. But then, about 200 and so years later, Alexander the Great is going to come and basically finish the job. This island city is going to be fully captured, and it's going to be utterly destroyed, and it's not going to be like it ever was in the past. Because when you, again, if when you get to the time of Jesus, it is not some fortified hub of commerce anymore. It is much more plain than that, and that is God's judgment that he has done on the land. 
And Jesus himself is the one who proclaimed the judgment on them here at this time. So he's walking around seeing what he had originally planned to do to them, which I thought is interesting. So then in the second half of chapter 27, God is describing all the different nations, which is very interesting, especially if you're a history buff, of all the different nations that were involved in trade with the kingdom of Tyre. And it has a list of them here, which are, you know, the Arabs, areas from Mesopotamia, areas from Persia, which is modern-day Iran or Iran, however you say it. The coast of Spain, which is Tarshish. You have area of Greece, which is Javan. You have what is considered today Turkey, which is Beth Togarma. You know, you have a whole bunch of places where Tyre is a central hub of commerce. Very interesting how we see all these different nations trade with them, but then God is just going to utterly cause them to never be rebuilt, especially in the way they once were. And that never happened again. God's word is absolute. So when he says that, he means it. And in the history books, it confirms it. And that's what I love about God. Everything that God says has and will come true because it always has. And so we need to trust God in everything he says. And even if it means, Ezekiel, your wife is going to die as an illustration of what I'm doing to Jerusalem, we have to trust God in the process. That's hard, I know. I would hate to lose my wife. But God is worth more than that. He deserves all of our praise, all of our worship, all of our glory, all of our obedience, all of our trust. And with that, so many blessings could come upon us, and we can unlock our full potential as his people. Because like I prayed this morning, I keep being reminded of how much we cause ourselves to be distracted. How so often we are so busy with life as well as making ourselves feel comfortable to not give God all the glory to give him all our time, all of our energy, all of our attention, all of our prayers. We don't seek the relationship like we should. And at, at the very least, the only person I'm talking to is myself. I could do so much better, and I know it. And I want to do better. And I pray that God will give me the strength to do that. So I hope that you're in the same boat as me, recognizing that there is a problem. It's not a big problem. It's not that I'm going off the deep end and I'm not murdering people and stuff like that. No, but sin is sin. And if sin is left unchecked, it festers and it becomes worse. And so even if it seems harmless at the beginning, if it causes you to sin, it needs to be removed. It needs to be repented of, and you need to ask for forgiveness. And that's where I'm at. So that's why I started my prayer with that this morning, because I think that's important that we hear that today. Tomorrow, we're going to see a different dimension of Tyre, which we have never seen before, and it's going to actually be switching gears between the, the actual king of Tyre of that time and Satan. You, and you'll see what I mean as soon as we begin tomorrow. But until then, that's all I have. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.